0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams.
1: What's happening out there in the lovely Electric Liberty Land? I hope everybody out there is on a gondola making love to a man, to a woman. I don't know, to a friendly goat you met somehow, somewhere in a park or a petting zoo. Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. This is, sadly, going to be an audio-only episode because I'm going to be uh, playing the podcast that I did over at the Austrian Economics Conference, which I attended two Fridays ago. And I did a podcast there called Creating a Breakthrough Culture for Liberty and Gen Z and talked a lot about storytelling, or, well, as you'll hear, storytelling, uh, winning people over and trying to attack culture, not head on so much because that will cause kind of a rebound effect, but nibbling at the edges and trying to influence people in different ways than we have currently been trying. I was joined by two great guests, Spanish Libertarian, who has a fantastic YouTube channel you can find, and also Agent Tomasz. Again, great YouTube channel out there. And uh, Agent Tomasz is Polish, uh, Spanish Libertarian, as you might guess, is Spanish. And we had a great conversation. I hope you guys are going to enjoy but before we get into that, there are a couple current events, topics I want to get into. You heard me talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial last week. Of course, that is just wrapping up. Sadly, it doesn't seem like I'm going to get to talk about that verdict because the jury is deliberating and I am recording this episode before they made their decision. I'm not going to wait for it because God knows how long it's going to be. This could be something that's two days. This could be something that's two weeks, depending on how much they take away, the internal arguments that they might have, etc. Even though it seems to me that the, that uh, Rittenhouse will get off, it seems to me it's pretty obvious he was operating in self-defense, which even leftists have to acknowledge, despite the fact that they have been attacking him, uh, <laughs> character assassination, uh, alleging that he is a racist, alleging that he is a murderous monster intent on going on a killing spree, and all these other nonsense, unfacts and untruths that uh, they've been throwing out there since this event happened. So I want to play the prosecutor's closing argument on this. However, before I do, I need to tell you guys about our wonderful sponsor here, iTrust Capital. Now, iTrust Capital has changed what they have as far as an incentive to join them and create a crypto-centric or hard currency-centric, i.e., well, I should say, not hard currency, uh, alternative investment, i.e. gold, i.e. silver, in addition to crypto IRA. Now, if you're not familiar with an IRA... I have one. It's a great way to put money away for the future. Uh, What you can do is basically you can contribute up to a certain amount every month and save that money for your future, take it out later on in life without getting hit with these taxes and fees by the government. So it's a long-term investment, but you don't have to use it just for that because with iTrust Capital, which by the way, has over 1,300 reviews on Trustpilot, excellent reviews, five-star reviews on Trustpilot, so you know that they are dependable. You can also use them just for everyday crypto trading. And they have the lowest transaction fees. They have full transparency there. And best of all, when you sign up, when you open an account with them, they will give you $100 in Bitcoin free. So that's pretty damn good because that $100 in crypto today as we all know if we think crypto is going to do what it can do if we think bitcoin is going to do what it can do especially with this next layer they're putting on to make it even faster we know that that is going to keep going up. So join I Trust Capital, actually let me hold on, not I Dot Trust, I Trust. Capital forward slash lions and get in there today, claim that hundred dollars in Bitcoin, get your future secured and make sure that you don't miss out on a great opportunity. Again, I trust dot capital forward slash lions. Now then popping back into this, let me play for you guys this insane statement from the prosecution in the case. Now the prosecution has already messed up this Kyle Rittenhouse case in every potential and possible way. It has been a showcase of ineptitude And of course, I'm not rooting for them to go after and get Kyle Rittenhouse, having seen the video. It certainly seems to me that this is a case of pure self-defense. The video seems to show that very clearly. But the prosecution turned this into something that was more akin to a debate on whether or not you could legally defend yourself and whether or not having a gun means that you were intent on going on a murder murder spree. And basically, the uh, provocateur or the provocator of violence, So arguing that what happens to you happens to you if you have a gun. But let's make him make that argument in his own words.
2: Convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun when you're the one creating the danger, when you're the one provoking other people.
1: Okay. Now let's just look at this logically. Number one, the guy he's talking about was one of three people, the only one that didn't have a gun, right? The other two people that got shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, both were fucking armed. One of whom shot at him first, by the way, the second of which tried to grab his gun and held a gun to his head before he got shot back by Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse did not fire the first shot and tried to escape the scene. The guy he's saying was unarmed was not unarmed. He hit him in the head with a skateboard. That is using a piece of whatever the object might be. If you're swinging it like a baseball bat, if you brought it to attack somebody with, which a lot of time Antifa use their skateboards as weapons. It is a common tactic that they use throughout all of the protests throughout all of the fights that they go to. You will see people swinging skateboards. So this is a weapon. And if you are the aggressor chasing this kid down, you lose your right to self-defense. I'm sorry, just because Kyle Rittenhouse brings a gun, right? By this logic, Kyle Rittenhouse brings a gun and loses his right to self-defense. What happens? What about the other people that have the guns? Don't they lose their right to self-defense? Which, If, they, if you're arguing that Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have shot at these guys or that he was the aggressor, well, then the other people have a right to self-defense, but they brought guns. Oh, except that one guy who was swinging a skateboard to Kyle's head. <laughs> That's just the most ridiculous line of logic I have ever heard argued in my life. In my life. I've never seen a prosecutor be more inept. This guy will probably, well, I mean, he works for the government, so I guess you can't fire him, but I would say, probably will be given the lowest of the low assignments after embarrassing himself on national television. I look forward to this kid getting off. As I said, I expect riots. And as one funny meme going around said, though, that's why we need Kyle Rittenhouse back out there. <laughs> it's it's going to be massive riots. And also, this idiot prosecutor is saying that somehow Kyle Rittenhouse brought the danger. When the kid was scrubbing graffiti off of schools, the kid brought a med kit. He was trying to help people. They're saying that he brought the danger. He went to a place where all of these psychopaths are rioting, are burning down buildings, are looting stores, are destroying private property. That's not danger. I would say the danger had already been brought at that point. I mean, it's you got to applaud. You got to applaud this this prosecutor, man. He's just hitting all the high marks when he's uh, making these arguments. And speaking of people who you should applaud, I don't know if you heard about this story out there, guys, but, uh, well, two things. One thing, one little tidbit to lead into this, over half of parents now are skeptical about the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines for children. That's great news. This is according to a poll. Now, there are going to be some people that are just unreachable because we already know they're out there. They live in California. They live in New York City. But- A new poll from Washington Post and ABC News surveyed and found that just under half or 46% of parents with a child under 18 said they were either very or somewhat confident that the vaccines are safe, while 47% said they're confident that they are effective at preventing serious illness. However, 52% said they weren't so sure. 41% said they are not at all confident. And I love that, not at all confident. The vaccines are safe for children in that age group, 11% said they're not so confident. 52% also said that they were not at all or not so confident in the vaccine's efficacy. Those numbers can continue to go up. As we continue to see people have adverse reactions to this vaccine, we just saw that Pfizer lied in their initial report about the number of deaths during the vaccine trials because they didn't report deaths from heart attack, deaths from myocarditis, deaths from any heart-related ailments, which, were, which there were nine right not that this is an exceptionally high amount considering there were like 20,000 people in the study but when you have those numbers that aren't reported you are going to extrapolate that times x number of the population and you're talking about a very substantial number of deaths so you're going to see those numbers continue to go up even though people you know much to my chagrin i hate the fetishization of getting your kid jabbed. I'm seeing people on my social media feeds, post them at the doctor with their kid masked up, getting the jab, and I find it sickening. I find it absolutely sickening. Now, what I don't find sickening is this amazing Florida second grader. She is down in Palm Beach County, Fiona Lashels, probably saying that wrong, because I say everything wrong. Uh, she's been suspended 38 times for refusing to wear a mask to school, and she confronted the local school board, gave a talk to the local school board, saying that they should all go to jail, saying that she would absolutely not comply and they cannot force children to wear these masks anymore, especially when they are at zero risk, zero risk from getting COVID, from spreading COVID or anything else. So let me play this for you. And then after that, we'll pivot over to the podcast that I did in Vienna at the Austrian Economics Conference.
0: My name is Fiona LaShawes and I am in second grade at Discovery Elementary. I am back to talk to you again today. And For anyone who thinks I didn't write my speech last time is wrong. I wanted to be here then just like I do now. Sorry if I am supposed to be scared when I see people yelling at these meetings. So I am back today and tomorrow is my birthday. I am going to get suspended if I don't wear a mask for three more days just because I get suspended for not wearing a mask isn't gonna change my mind. You can keep suspending me. I still have the right not to wear a mask. It is not fair that I'm getting punished because you guys, the school board, are not following the law. That is not fair. It just isn't right. I'm still going to stand up for what I believe in and nothing's (laughs) gonna change my mind. I've been getting suspended a lot because I'm wearing a mask. Do you know how dirty masks are? Because you touch the mask, you put it on your face, you breathe all those germs in because you have lots of bacterias on your hand. And, okay, yeah, I hope you all go to jail for doing this to me. And... My family is proud of me, and my Uncle Murphy that is in heaven is really proud of me. And I want to say, Burke sucks, but instead of, your rules suck.
1: Now that's bravery. That is bravery, folks. I'm sure it's terrifying for this little girl to go up, stand in front of all these people very intimidating environment in front of people that have suspended her over and over again in front of people that, you know, hate her. They hate that little girl, but yet standing up for what she believes in telling the truth like it is and fighting the good fight. And this is why, as you'll hear, I talk about this in the podcast too, upcoming. We have an unbelievable opportunity, unbelievable opportunity here to get a culture of Liberty in there, to get a culture of individuality, To buck this system of authoritarianism that's been put into place and that they continue to try to put into place through COVID, through climate, through economic measures, through the, uh, the quote unquote social security net, which is falling apart. The biggest sham slash cage that has ever been constructed in in human history. So good job to this wonderful child. And. A good job to all of you that have joined the Lions of Liberty Pride, Lions of Liberty Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. You can join for as little as $5, get my good morning fuckhead rants. They are dynamite topics that I may not get into on the show, but I do about a five to 10 minute rant for you guys every day of the week to get your morning started right. And of course we do our generic gamblers. We've got conspiracy corners. They just recorded a new one or recording a new one. As I record this today, you can watch along live for that. And I think we might do a little bit more live stuff, too. If you guys are willing to watch, we will start doing far more just live general podcasts as well. And if you join up today, you get a discount. And even if you join at a certain level, you can get the free Taxation is Death Lions of Liberty mug and the holiday version Merry Taxation is Death to the state from the Lions of Liberty. An incredible Santa hat Lions of Liberty festive mug. But, you know, a, a nice label on the back, Mary Taxation is Death with Beautiful Reindeer Antlers on it. It is awesome. It makes a statement. And frankly, it just looks incredible. I'm going to post it on Instagram. You guys can find it there. So check that out. Join us. And also you could join at locals. Don't forget to uh, to join us there as well. All right, let's kick into this podcast without any further ado, guys. And again, I want to throw a big thank you out to the Austrian Economic Center, the Hayek Institute in Vienna, and Foundation anyway, Fundacion International Basis. Mark would probably be, be better at pronouncing that than I will because they are an organization that is based in Argentina. But uh, they have also just been fantastic at this. And uh, again, I had a wonderful experience there really revitalized a lot of what I was doing, a lot of my beliefs, seeing the energy there, seeing the number of people there from all ranges of age, of sex, et cetera, at this very exciting event. So make sure you check that out. Follow all those. I'll link to them in the show notes for the page at lionsofliberty.com slash episodes forward slash ELL254. And you could also find them in the show notes in this very podcast feed. All right, guys, here you go. Hope you enjoy it. And I'll be back with a little comment at the end of the show, and we'll take it from there. Uh, everybody, welcome. This is uh, the Lions of Liberty podcast. We're going to do a live recording here today. I'm Brian McWilliams. I am one of uh, three hosts of the podcast, which is a, a you know, large American audience, and hopefully after this, a, a astoundingly huge European audience. <laughs> um basically i do a show called electric liberty land and what i like to focus on based upon uh, about 20 years in public relations background is trying to communicate the ideas of liberty and try to look at it through the lens of what's going to be effective what has definitively not been effective and how we can make that better and i think we have an interesting time right now as we come out of covid when we have a younger generation that might be a little bit more open to our concepts but the question is how do we reach them? How do we more effectively uh, tell the story of libertarianism and what do we need to do to reach these people? Now, I am joined today by two fantastic folks. Make sure I get your
3: names right. Tomas Agnecki. Tomasz. Tomasz. Tomasz Agnecki. Or Let's work again. Tomasz Agenski, hello. Great uh, to yeah, see we told, you today. Yeah, we Thanks were, for choosing this panel. Don't forget to like and subscribe.
1: <laughs> yes, please do like and subscribe. So, and... Uh, Tomás is a filmmaker, he's a, agento, agent uh, he's a filmmaker, so he is a fantastic person to have in this panel. You were working on a biopic for uh, Menger, as we know, and, and you are going to talk about that, which, yeah. um, you know, my favorite thing about the talk was that you said you don't want to make it for the converted. You know, this is supposed to be uh, approachable from the masses. Uh, I'm also joined by Ignasi Bolto, who is the Spanish libertarian, um, again, you know, has built up a really impressive amount of followers on a YouTube channel, which is one of the main conduits to reach a younger generation. So again, wonderful to have you on the, uh, the podcast as well.
2: My pleasure, Ryan.
1: Yeah. So starting off guys and just jump in, this is a podcast freewheeling. We're going to crack some jokes. Um, you know, I'm happy with the turnout we have here. We can all agree. Whoever's not here. freaking nerds. Uh-huh. Part of the libertarian problem these dorks up there instead of listening to this. No. Um, sure. <laughs> but let's just start things off by, you know, whoever wants to do it. What do you think right now? You know, what what do you feel has been the problem when we talk about libertarian or free market ideas? Do you think that we are being effective in how we communicate them to not only the, the current generation, not only the millennials, but also the next generation of Gen Z?
3: Should I start with it? Okay. Um, In my opinion, our main problem with with spreading the idea is that we are spreading the idea. We should stop right now, today, really. Stop spreading the idea because we suck at it, absolutely. Uh, We are the worst. Uh, Let's start, yeah, really. Let's start taking care of our own base, actually. And this is what I've been doing. I've been podcasting for like 10 years. When I started podcasting in 2010, I didn't know the word podcasting. Um, So it was that long time ago and actually i I haven't built a huge fan base i don't know if i if I have ever convinced like a, a single person to anything liberty oriented because then later i was I was talking with people i was I was trying to you know to find what brought you here to that movement to find you know where are those those cracks that we can like suck people into our tent and there's not a single way to do that. You cannot mm-hmm. predict that. It's, it's really dynamic. It's chaotic. It's more Mengarian style than, yes. than, you know, uh, you, you cannot build an aggregate of knowledge how to get people inside. So, and, and what we do, w- which is worse, that once people get here and they sucked into that, you know, uh, they start reading Rothbard and Mises and books and they, they are all start producing content at some point. Mm. We don't take care, let's say, of ourselves. I mean, we don't care, really care about the base, about, about the people who are already here. We do not build or, or we build it poorly, you know, the loyalty. One thing is to, to, to launch a project and it's easy, but then to, to keep those people inside. This is, this is, in my opinion, it, it's way more important. And this is why I started to, to, to produce more content that is, that is, you know, for us, but also, like you said before, it's approachable for my neighbors. Well, you know, this is a good idea moving the mic closer. I don't know why I didn't think
1: of that. These things aren't even tethered down. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's something interesting that you, you're talking about being approachable, uh, preaching to the base, but also retaining libertarian, um, thought, right? And that comes down to, I think, making people proud of what it's preaching, right? Making people aware of what this is, what the dream is. And to me, I was speaking with you guys a little bit before this. That comes down to me to, to selling a vision that people can get behind that isn't easily corrupted, that isn't taken away, that isn't, they're not sold something better because they happen to come upon a hard point in time in their life or because the media changes. I mean, what do you think about this, you know, this telling a story? Um, how would you go about communicating libertarianism in a way that's going to be more aspirational? You know, where do you think we've Mm -hmm. fallen short of that? Are we focusing too much on facts, on data? Can we make it more uh, engaging? Can we make it more illuminating and aspirational?
2: Yeah, of course. We can make it more engaging, but uh, I agree with Thomas. We are not doing it. And we could use a thing called capitalism to...
1: I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not familiar. <laughs>
2: <laughs> ...to actually make it better. <laughs> what I'm always surprised is that most of the so-called collectivists are more entrepreneurial than us. <laughs> and I'm always freaked out, you know, the... In Spain in Spain we have podemos they're uh, the, the almost I don't know Marxist chavez party and their campaigns on social media are amazing mm-hmm. they're properly done and also some podcasters and influencers etc so answering to your question I think we could use the principles of marketing to in order to sell our ideas because you're actually talking about selling so exactly. Maybe we could focus more on demand rather than, and what do we have to offer? I mean, of course you have to focus on what you have to offer, but if you want to sell anything, first of all you have to identify what people want, right? So people doesn't want, people are not interested in Rothbard and shit. So this uh, is a dead end. I, could, I couldn't, agree more, so it, I couldn't agree more. So in a way, you kind of have to kill your leaders or your mm-hmm. thinkers in terms of rephrasing it and using uh, uh, persuasion and euphemisms, etc. So, in a way, I think most of the people care uh, on their lives, their families, their salaries, um, purchasing power, um, mm-hmm. for having a better life, etc. And I don't know if libertarians are actually giving a good response to this. So, more well, I- or less, I think this is going to be my. I approach.
1: I think you hit on a good topic right there. So, and this is actually something I was talking to uh, to Anders and I'm going to massacre his last name. He's a lovely Swede, by the way, who just gave a talk about mobility. Mm-hmm. I will uh, steal his example as I uh, frantically try to look for his last name. But he actually uh, over dinner last night was telling me about a campaign he did. He's in public affairs. Mm-hmm. And you talk about how we have to reach people. We have to get through this, this tactic of talking about empirical, uh, massive structures, you know, mm-hmm. the Fed, government spending, you know, these massive things that people, while they might understand them slightly, they don't affect them in a personal way. Yeah. And, you know, it has to hit them at the heart. They have to be able to understand it on a personal level. How does it affect them? How does it affect their family? And he was telling me they were able to basically get rid of the wealth tax, or I'm sorry, the, um, the inheritance tax in Sweden. And the way in which they went about this was that they were able to, to run a campaign Basically positioning entrepreneurs, small businessmen, as the ones that were going to suffer by this inheritance tax because it's the family businesses. It's the wealth that is going to enable them to be entrepreneurs, to keep a business going, to hire local people from the economy. And very intelligently, they use the left's talking points to make their point in that if you have this wealth tax that eliminates small business, if you hurt these people, if you eliminate their families from being able to function, what are they going to do? What jobs are they going to get? The big corporation jobs. Right, which the which the left hates. So he's these they're communicating in a way which hits people right in the heart. Everybody knows, that, you know, their grandfather's business. Their their child has a, a job in the local market. Do you want them being an automaton?
3: I think I think we've been saying that for ages already. The same story, but but maybe it's, it, it may not be up to date right now because the last time I checked. Like half an hour ago, big corporations are okay again. <laughs> well, always, as long as they put like 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 symbolism, it's not the the Occupy Wall Street time where, yeah. where the left was shouting you know jump mm-hmm. uh, on Wall Street. It's not this moment today. They it's what the corporations and big you know um, big tech needs to do is like put a rainbow picture once a year for a month <laughs> or something like that, and and they are okay. Mm -hmm. suddenly it's 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 good you know like they they need to have like this like a kind of equality training like once a year or something like (laughs) that well it's it's the
1: concept of tying it into a social good right everybody wants to be affiliated with a social good and that's why they're responsible they are like what what, and to and to feel good about yourself and what you're saying and that's what it ties into something you know that i mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast is selling a vision, selling a, you know, I like to call it a libertarian fantasy, a libertarian myth. What is what is the world we can tell people, we can sell people on that is going to make them inspired, that's going to make them feel good when they're talking about libertarianism, when they're voting for it, when they're thinking about it, when they're, God forbid, reading Man, Economy, and State, which hurts to even look at, it. when they're, you know, when they're doing these things, what's going to make them say, you know what, I'm a force for good here? You know, what I'm doing, I'm trying to get to that shining city at the end of the hill where everybody is equal, where everybody's making money, where everybody is taken care of, you know, how can we sell that vision so that people feel as good as they do when they put the rainbow flag sticker in their window or they, you know, you know what I'm getting at.
2: I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I don't know what we should do, but maybe I know what we can, we don't have to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm not here to sell any utopia, but.
1: Uh, that's what I'm saying. You need let, to do. Come on. Are you listening? To no, that? I mean,
2: let's say you go to the club, no? And maybe you want to hang out with some girl or something like that. Are Take you going to go, <laughs> I guess you're going to be <laughs> as pretty as possible. I guess you're going to be hard to be any better. Social, than I am, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. As sociable as possible. I guess you're going to smell good. Right. So what I, what I'm trying to say here in this, uh, creepy metaphor is that, um, <laughs> you uh, most of the libertarians i've met so far and actually i define myself as libertarian right but they have this arrogant um, behavior in a way like you're a socialist boom you know it's like yeah,
1: at- attack mode. Uh,
2: you don't know about economy okay no because you're a randian or you don't know this like you're not going to sell nothing to no one if you have this attitude mm-hmm. or if you don't look well or I don't know this uh the snake and the flag and everything <laughs> the symbology is fine but you know it sounds uh I don't know and uh, I I wouldn't rely I, so my my criticism here and come back and coming back again, again to my previous point is on marketing so mm-hmm. I I don't know if I want to sell any utopia but uh freedom in a way, appeals to your heart. Mm. It doesn't appeal to statics, uh, stats, etc. So, I don't know, selling it with more epicity? No. no? Well, that would be my summary, more or less.
1: Yeah, and, then you know, uh, Tomas, you were talking about, um, and I think this is a critical tying into what you were just saying, People tend to be, especially libertarians, we tend to be very logical. We tend to be very excited yeah. about the points and crushing people with our yeah. uh, undeniable logic, which doesn't make any friends. No. I mean, would you say that's part of our branding problem and that, you know, we are talking people get in and they make this content. And they go out there. Are they there? Are they hurting us? by getting so excited and going out there and preaching in this, this one way. But who's preaching? We're uh, well, talking about new libertarians who are now creating this content, right? And they're coming uh-huh. fresh yeah. off reading Rothbard and they're yeah. so excited by the ideas mm. and they have to tell everybody else that they are absolutely wrong.
3: Born again libertarians, All right? right. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we are flipping uh, supply and demand sometimes, we, we say, because we talk about entrepreneurship and, and how businessmen are doing actually a very, a very positive job. And then we know, when we talk about business, we know that actually it's not us who are selling, it's somebody who is buying. Because yes. to sell something, you need to fix a problem that somebody has. Absolutely. So so, so uh, do we know problems of, of people that we are talking to? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, like I said before, I'm, I mean, I, I have never convinced anyone. So so maybe I'm not the well, the guy good, to be asked about that's it. That's a very good lessons.
1: point though. You know, as libertarians, how many times do we go up to people rather than preaching at them? How many times do we
2: go up and ask what's them your go, what's your problem and how
3: eliminating government would fix it? Right. Tell <laughs> yeah, <me>.
2: Exactly. <laughs> well, I guess uh, as being as less theoretical as possible, mm-hmm. maybe you can convince someone. So yeah. talking in their language about the hot topics. I think also the the hot topics are very mm-hmm. important to to actually give the response because one of the main criticisms I think you will agree is that we libertarians, so to speak, we are talking about always the same topics that actually were dealt like 50 or 60 years ago.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And you know, you don't have to appeal to the authors all the time. If if there's a problem right now with big tech or social justice warriors or white nationalists or uh, climate change, in a way it's like um, intellectual laziness to mm. say, I you know, I'll read this book and that's it.
1: Right yeah. no. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's change topics a little bit because I know we wanted to talk about how to break through and, and influence the next generation. Right. And mm-hmm. as I said earlier, I think coming out of COVID, actually I don't think I know I know from some studies that have come out on this, the younger generation, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about millennials, I'm talking about the 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds. They are now coming out of COVID. They're coming out of all this social justice movement. They're seeing the trillions spent. They're seeing uh, opportunities denied to them because of social movements, them being leapfrogged, being told they're evil, denied access to college, all, all these things. They now feel... That they are uh, essentially being denied opportunities that generations before them had, and especially after being locked in their homes for some two years and being, you know, denied general, uh, going, you know, going to the club as pretty as possible and smelling good. Uh So, what do you think? How can we effectively? Reach these people, and I'll start with Ignatius because I know you had some ideas on this that we were discussing uh, over drinks, <laughs> as, as the best conversations happen. Yes, about reaching the younger generation and how you think we should try to market to these people and create content.
2: It's a difficult question. First of all, I would say the same that I said before: talking to their language, uh, using their language. Excuse me, talking about their concerns and their the hot topics and their problems, and also. I think in a way it has to be, a, maybe I will s- sound a little bit uh, classist in here, uh, someone who is more or less like millennial or centennial talking to them, because mm-hmm. in a way it's pointless to place a, a boomer, please, no offence. <laughs> talking to centennials because that's their father and uh, you are always arguing with no. yeah, with your father so uh, in a way maybe boomers should uh, invest to millennials mm-hmm. millennials could create the content for centennials who are actually going to be the, the viewers yeah. maybe.
1: Well, and that's another good point though is that You know, we talk about pushing back against the older generation, and that's the other component of a lot of these people coming around to libertarianism is that the dominant culture for the last 25, 30 years Mm -hmm. has been very strict progressives. You know, the media is progressive. The entertainment complex is progressive. Mm -hmm. um, Politics are progressive. And these kids are saying, you know, if nothing else, really, and excuse my French, but – you know, the younger generation wants to uh, wants to rock, and they want to say "fuck you" to the yes. generation before them, and we can take advantage of that. Yes. I mean, Tamash, what do you think? Can we can yeah, we uh, can we capitalize on the "fuck you" being given?
3: Yeah, of course, um, uh, but we can be demonetized as well, you know, for, for the same factors <laughs> <use> as well. <laughs> True. Uh, because, you know, you cannot say demonetize without a demon, right. actually. Um, no. So the thing is that I'm, I'm not really convinced that, the, the generation of a 15 to 20 years old are old, you know, Greta Thunberg AOC kind of crowd. Mm. Mm. I think this is the, the, like the wildest. They make the, the most, you know, the biggest noise. And, and so they have an impact, but I don't know if they convince anyone to read Engels, for mm. example. I mean, there, there's nothing behind that. It's just, just, it's flashy, you know, media likes it. The, the the boomers think that they are cool when they post something yeah. that Greta said things like that so so they have different you know motivations to to, to to further that but I don't really think that this is the the majority of people maybe there is like this, this, this there must be the new wave let's call it the, the silent majority in this case so it's like 80% of people who are afraid to say that yep. I don't I don't really care about this Greta girl you know God bless her but basically no she's not really talking to me mm-hmm. but they are afraid to say that because you know there's a thought policy is waiting for those
2: posts right Um, but then you have like intellectual orphans I think no people who uh, don't know who to, mm -hmm. to appeal or to be attracted to so in a way I think that's a big problem so if you're not a social justice warrior then what?
1: Right. Well, what are you? And there's an opportunity there, right? Because even you know, this younger generation probably still views conservatism (coughs) as a dirty word. Yes. um, So we can give them a palatable alternative of this. You know, and this is where I have to come back to the inspirational aspect. Give these people something to believe in that isn't simply going to be facts and dogma. I mean, I would argue that we live in a post-factual world because of the way social media has evolved, search algorithms have evolved, in that we can spit out all the facts that we want, right? We can be right all we want, but we have to be not only right, we have to be righteous, And that is the way in which we're going to get these people on board Mm -hmm. by them saying, you know what, your way of thinking is leading to the best outcome. Your way of thinking is not poisoned by corruption. Your way of thinking hasn't, I mean, we can say libertarianism has been tried in certain places over time, right? But overall, it still has not been put into effect to a great extent by the majority of the population while all these other things have
2: and failed. More or less, I think I can feel optimistic because I think in Spain and in Argentina, maybe something is really going on. Like, um, I don't know, uh, 20, 30 years ago or even more, there were some intellectuals that nowadays, uh, they taught what, uh, the influencers of today, maybe I would say some names. I don't know if you know them like Fernando Diaz-Bianueva, the guys of visual politics, un tío blanco Juan Ramon Rayo. So they were influenced by think tanks and reading books, blah, blah, blah. But now they're, they're streaming on Twitch, mm-hmm. live streamed on YouTube They're selling merchandising. They create memes. So
1: memes are powerful, man. Yeah, exactly. Very powerful.
2: And due to the entrepreneurial spirit, to me, something is uh, you know the market is adaptive, no? Mm -hmm. So you kind of recycle the 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 concepts, and now they're being really, really (laughs) successful. These people that I mentioned, they are making good money. So. Mm Actually, you can monetize libert- libertarianism so in a way. The free market provides, right? So it's uh, you have to give it a try. I, I know it sounds sim- simplistic, but it's sometimes you're defined by actions, and that's mm-hmm. it. And the market puts you in your place. But I, I, I think uh, we can say that in Spain something's going on, and also there's... Uh, for example, let me give you an example. There's an author called uh, Miguel Ancho Bastos. He's from uh, Galicia, south, southwest of Spain. He talks very, very strange. You barely don't understand him. <laughs> but he has this wor- this quote called Capitalismo, Ahorro y Trabajo Duro. Capitalism, uh, savings, and hard work. Mm-hmm. Capitalismo, he was always pissed off. Capitalismo, ahorro. So now I'm seeing some influencers, streamers, um, Adopting uh, that, uh, com- uh, comedians, you know. And they said, "Well, oh, you know, capitalism it's like okay, we won the of yeah. battle, guys." So it takes time, but yeah. so many factors have to be aligned. Yeah. Well, is- I think
1: I mean, comedy is also. I mean, comedy itself is, is very free market. It's very libertarian, right? Yeah. You, free speech, viewing things in the in the honest way, telling the truth in the honest way, and and not being able to to be influenced by external forces. I mean, what do you think? As I know, you're not a comedian, but you're a funny enough guy. Do you think that we should be using comedy more? Do you think that I we have the creative comedian, power? Yes. Did you? Yes. <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, oh, no, no, do you think I'm, just have the power me. within the movement to do that? Or do you think that because more you know, people are so attracted to libertarians, and many of us are very logic-based, is that going to be a bridge too far?
3: <laughs> that, that's actually a, a continuation of, 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 your, of your previous question, because it, 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 it connects perfectly. I'm, I'm, I'm only using comedy to explain Austrian School of Economics. Don't get me wrong. Can I? Twice a year I have a stand-up show in, a, in one business, private business school in Poland, and for for three hours. I'm telling jokes about Menger and Schumpeter no, and all that. Amazing. Yes. That's yes. amazing. But it's in Polish. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the, the, the funniest it's language. That's why there's bar. so many jokes about the
3: Poles. <laughs> 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 I need to do an English English version, of course. Then, um, I finished the last sentence saying that that the, 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 the youth is probably not 100% AOC slash Bernie mm-hmm. kind of supporters. And this, let's say it's 80-20, whatever, and this 80% that is silenced There's a huge vacuum there and there is a lot of signals coming up right now that those people want something new. So we have people who are, do not want to apologize for telling jokes about mm. transgender people. Like, you know, you have Dave Chappelle, yep. you know, mm. the closer stand-up, for example. He never said one single word, I know, derogatory, something bad. He never said something like that. Mm. But he wasn't praising, you know, the yeah. LGBT, ABT, C, Q, R, T, communities. Well, and I, and, and he, he wasn't praising them. And they were like, how dare you, yeah. right? To quote Greta again. Um, <laughs> how dare you not praise us? Come on, it's, it's the struggle and what... Um, and this guy is like, you know, Black Lives Matter kind of, you know, friend of Barack Obama and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So you wouldn't be expecting that coming from him, right? You would probably expect coming that from Joe Rogan or something like that, but not from Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly have, you, you can hear more and more voices that, yeah, let him speak, let mm-hmm. him do this, his show. You didn't have to agree with that. that not everything has to be, you know, the same color, the same tune. So, I think there is hope in that, but but this is nothing that we have ever built. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, it's not, uh, you know, we, we should not clap, you know. Who did um, it
2: then? Conservatives?
3: No, situation, lack of balance, you know, <clears throat> physics, whatever you, you mm. call it, reality, nature, the dynamics of of, of markets, you know. Uh, that, that 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 it's that it's that it's, that it's that's a beautiful thing, right? And if you talk about inspiration, you know, you can inspire somebody. Right? It's it's great simply by speaking. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is that easy to be inspired, then ah, you then they know, might, they might ditch out. He may be inspired by else. you know, you have nothing to lose except you know well, things like that. It, people got inspired by by Marx because oh, not, not, not by issues. But then, if in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There is a huge number of people who started reading Mises and and Carl Menger because they wanted to make some money on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. That's like the biggest school of Austrian economics right now. People are reading Menger, willingfully, really reading that because they wanted to make some money on Bitcoin and that was like the first, you know, the the, the push. This is my business. This is my interest. And then, oh, so there's like, oh, the Federal Reserve, oh, the money, the fiat currency, oh, the MMT, whatever. And they, they, they suddenly like it's yeah, like a, a, our version of wokeness, I well, would say, right? Bitcoin And Bitcoin, I think, can be a, a real a gateway, gateway drug for yeah,
1: libertarianism. Exactly. Mean, without a doubt, it is. I mean, I I wrote a little fable here about it. You know, maybe I'll get into that if we have time later. But But yeah, Bitcoin could be a real drug to get people involved because it you know, is we, such we, a value of money. And it does bleed into so many of the concepts we talk about, not only... You know, protecting against inflation, but but protecting against government intrusion. We have and a protecting perfect, against the, like like not knowing what inflation is. Right. Yeah. You basically yeah <laughs> ignorance. Yeah. Right. You basically have to. I mean, I was thinking, I was listening to a uh, you know Jeff Booth did a talk. I'm not sure if you guys heard that, but you know, in in getting into what Bitcoin is, how it's defined, and how it is protecting us from government, and using the perfect quote from Hayek about the best you know the only way to get government out of money is uh, or it's impossible to get government evidence government sorry out of money and the only way to do it is to create in a sly fashion another alternative which is what bitcoin has become and Mm -hmm. i and the younger generation it's ubiquitous across them so how can we now use bitcoin to lure them in and then like i said though the trick is keeping them in so what are your thoughts on what is the best way we can communicate to people to keep them in so they're not distracted and they run off because ron paul for instance was a highly inspirational figure Right, he got me involved. Uh, he got you know millions of people involved in delivering. But I tell you for a fact, half of those people went off to Bernie Sanders. Half of them went off to Donald Trump because they were just in it for the the fun news. Yeah. yeah, the momentum. They were inspired by him, but it wasn't a permanence. So, what do you think is the, the best way for us to achieve permanence yes. in thought? Build the wall. You said what? Build the wall.
2: Build the wall. I think, in a way, you said it before, it's like appealing to their hearts. And mm-hmm. um, actually, I think we are talking about the cultural battle. So, I think, in a more or less, in a way, the economic battle has been won by us. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I'm lying to myself, in a way, too, <laughs> but I, like, <laughs> whatever uh,
1: helps you sleep at night. <laughs>
2: but, but the so maybe Bitcoin can appeal to them like, okay, my wallet is important to me and mm-hmm. the system is kind of falling apart. But then, if these libertarian ideas. Um, don't feed you with <clears throat> some cultural argument, so to speak. you will go to uh, to Bernie in mm-hmm. a way so maybe I, I will say something politically incorrect, but i don't care. I think uh mm-hmm. conservatives in a way are doing a better job than libertarians <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh i okay. don't
2: take me wrong I mean because I think they have more balls than us in terms of of uh winning the cultural battle
0: mm. see I would because argue that this kind losing. of
2: elitism, yeah. When I'm saying conservative, maybe I would refer to conservatarians, if that makes sense. Like yeah. the tackle Carsons, Ben Shapiro, etc. Cetera. Et cetera. Yes. Yeah. For example, Ben Shapiro, I like him a lot because he's on the media mm. run by himself, and he's influencing millions of people, mm. and he makes money out of it. And he talks about the hot topics as I was mentioning before. So you have to provide with something that people might like and yeah. Um, In a way, I'm I'm coming back to my previous point. Libertarians, we maybe we have to copy business models that people... uh...
1: Well, and and Ben Shapiro understands, right? He understands, you know, going back to another concept I was talking about, is storytelling. You know, the most effective way to get these morals, to get these lessons Mm. taught to people is storytelling because you're also not hitting them over the head with it. And so much libertarian content that's created. You know, can we make another version of Atlas Shrugged? You know, nobody gives a damn. Nobody watches. They're always (laughs) terrible. Terrible movies. <laughs> no more Atlas Shrug, please. But, you know, creating stories that are not going to be a direct, you know, punch you in the face with the message, but teach the moral, teach the story and wrap it up. And Ben Shapiro, very, you know, very intelligently has created his own studio. So mm-hmm. how do you think, do you think we as a community are, do we have the capability to do that? How should we do that? Is it Kickstarter? Is it, um, you know, finding, going to, to uh, Peter Thiel and, and, or Elon Musk and saying, Hey, uh, libertarianish guy, give me some of your Bitcoin and I'll make some movies. I mean, what do you guys think as, as filmmakers and creatives? Mean, Tomash. what are your thoughts?
2: Convince boomers to invest on you.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm almost
3: a boomer myself and it's not
1: rich. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you get me. Yeah.
3: Uh, w- w- then historically, uh, historically, we should go back to the march through institutions. And my institution is, is the media. And for example, with uh, Federico is here. <laughs> We've just finished producing a short uh, documentary series about regulations of uh, electronic cigarettes in Latin America. It does, it doesn't have to sound like a, you know, it's nothing there. we don't talk about Bitcoin. We don't talk about, uh, uh marijuana there. We don't talk about Ayn Rand. And we talk with normal people, the interviews are with normal citizens who probably they don't know who Milton Friedman is. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't say a word about it. Yeah. And the thing is that we, we have shaped it in a way that we, we that we show the problem that those people have. They can be put to jail for having an uh, electronical cigarette. I don't smoke. I don't know nothing about electronical cigarettes. And and they all say that it's a great movie because it's so much about, you know, it's an, about electronical cigarettes. No, it's actually about freedom yeah. so. to, to have an electronical cigarette that is like 20 times more healthy, mm-hmm. you know, or less dangerous, I would rather say, mm-hmm. than the classical cigarette, you know, the typical Marlboro. And, and there is no secondhand smoking. So the non-aggression principle is actually uh, like ticked, right? So you do not really make any harm if you smoke a cigarette inside a room, mm-hmm. right? With the electronical cigarette. Um, nobody died from, from electronical cigarette like that. And, and things like that. So, so you can talk about it. This is only data. You can say that in 20 mm-hmm. seconds. This, this video is a bit longer than that because I've, you know, I've centered on the idea. But let those people have. Let, let those people have it. You know. Mm. Like, so you, you want to put a tax on it, like a minimum tax? Okay. You know, if that's the way, if this is our, this is how we have to pay for a civilized society. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. So so be it. Right. Whatever. Because you know, if you want to sell it, then you need to have a shop. If you have a shop, then you have to pay taxes. Right. right. So so if you if you sell something that is illegal, probably you're gonna have problems with with Captain Government. Pretty soon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so it's good to have it. Like the minimum amount of regulations. And, and, and let people, you know, trade with it, make it better, you know, so it, so it really grows next five years in, and be, and be even better. Uh, things like that. So, so we managed to, to like implement everything we are talking about during this conference without using the, the hashtag words, right, you know, yeah. we, we never say about manger and libertarian constitution mm. or, or uh, no, nothing, not a single word. Right. It's a, it's a usual you know, documentary about a subject and Well, people can
1: it. tell when they're being sold a yeah. bill of goods, right? And there's this thing called, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like an automatic reflex and it, if people have sold something, they know it, they're automatically going to reject it. Even if it's making perfect points, they'll yeah. reject it out of hand because they say, you know, it's, so I, I identify as a person with this, this point of view, and you're coming at me oh, tooth and nail. Trying to teach me something else. So it's going to tell you to, to F all. But, you know, it's like, I wrote down this, I like, guess I promised you this, uh, this fable. It's, you know, modern free market fables. I'll give you an example. What I want to do is try to get more into storytelling in this broader sense. You know, try to reach <laughs> yeah. people that are younger, try to give them a story that they don't necessarily know has the message behind it, but it does. You know, one, I was just thinking this, jotting it down in my hungover days this morning. Um, you know, like there's a famous book called The Giving Tree. Um, and it, this is a, a very, notable book throughout uh children's literature it's kind of depressing but this I'm, I'm the concept of a bitcoin giving tree right i'm thinking there's a tree it's got apples that anybody can take down from it right it's this tree that exists people can take apples but the king gets angry because the the government's providing all the food right, to this town maybe this is in medieval times right so people can come up they get the apples the state doesn't like they want to rip the tree down but the tree by virtue of bitcoin right Decentralized. Every person that comes and gets an apple from the tree and waters the tree, a root goes to their house. So the tree's roots become so strong, the government cannot topple the tree. Thus, an example of a community being able to, uh, to take a service, the government not being able to topple it because it has been dispersed enough to decentralized enough that it is now more powerful than the king. Now, this is a simple example, but if you can imagine an animated story, three minutes, five minutes long mm-hmm. that you can teach people, but it's not hitting you over the head with the message. So I'm trying to think if, if there's creative ways we can teach these lessons that we're not doing as
2: libertarians. You're absolutely right. <clears throat> Thank you. And that will be our panelist. Really <laughs> don't forget to story like and subscribe. Storytelling and, and rhetorics is <laughs> is the most important thing. Yeah. I don't know. For example, in, I'm thinking out loudly in here. In Spain, we had the civil war. And more or less, um, I always like to, to listen to the old people. And some of the values of the old people who actually suffered from the civil war are hard work, work for yourself, work for your family, uh, have a good relationship with your neighbors, respect others, blah, blah, blah. Fuck. I mean, those are the kind of values that we are more or less preaching for. Mm -hmm. So if you want a bullet point, it's like, do what your grandpa told you to do, (laughs) save some money and be respectful. and. You know that's part of recycling the uh, the message, and I think it's more or less what you're saying.
3: Yeah, yeah, precisely. It's the kindergarten rules, right? This is what you teach your, your kids: Like yeah. don't steal somebody's property. You know, mm-hmm. share your property with others, but willingly. You know, yep. you don't have to do it by force and keep your word. Yeah.
1: Well, what's kind of interesting? You know, were talking about moral values passed down, and this, these are typical, you know passed down from families, family to family. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I didn't plan on talking about this, but you know, this is the podcast. This is what happens. Um, you yeah, know, what do you think about? Do you think there is a a war on family units? It seems to me right now that there is uh, from the media, from governments to try to undermine family units to try to break families up or at least give them less incentive to stay together. Because if anything, what's you know, if you have a family unit, you have morals, you have uh, at least a backup for if you get sick, you have somebody to depend on. You have somebody to take care of you if you're out of money and if you have no family. The government is your family. The government becomes your backup. So do you think there's a war on the family right now? And do you think this is intentional to attack these values that we're talking about now, to undermine them? Uh,
3: I have a family, two daughters, and I do not feel attacked by anybody. Um, I'm not looking at... All those questions that you, that you've mentioned, I'm not looking at them as a, a design like this. There's a conspiracy theory against a family unit. I would rather say these are the unintended consequences to yes. go back to, to Hayek. Mm-hmm. This is more like a consequence of <clears throat> socialism, of welfare state and things like that. More than that there is a ministry of dismantling a family. No, 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 nothing like that. So I'd rather say that, that this is another, you know, thing that we can blame socialism on. You have a more forgiving mind than I do.
2: (laughs) I think we have to blame capitalism in a way. Oh, of course. I'm I'm just trolling here, but let's... (laughs) Throwing your
3: teeth with Coca-Cola.
2: That's in a way why every day I'm more conservatarian. So in a way, anti-capitalists say, ah, capitalism is destroying the values of family because now you're just a consumer, isolated Mm -hmm. in your house, watching Netflix, and you don't really... um, uh, take relationship with other people and in a way they're right. So coming back to the storytelling, blah, 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 I think we have to sell capitalism, but we have to sell also this set of values that actually mm-hmm. preserve. And obviously an institution as family is super important. Yeah. So if you sell, just to finish, if you sell capitalism like an an isolated, an um, isolated, Good and market uh, and good and, and services uh, system, it doesn't appeal to nothing. We have to actually create all the set of values that uh, mm-hmm. makes it uh, preserve.
1: Yeah. Uh, by the way, how much time do we have left in the podcast? Anybody now? <laughs> sort
2: of five minutes. Four
1: minutes? Okay. I will do this. I, I, I feel like we should at least uh, take a little bit of Q&A if anybody does yeah, have questions. questions. Otherwise, we can keep yammering. So does anybody actually have a question or anything that they'd like us to, uh, to talk about? while well, I have a couple minutes. Spot,
3: spot. One and two. Go ahead. Go. You have a mic.
1: Yeah. Mic it up. It's in a way. See, they didn't expect <laughs> us to do this. This was a curveball. I just wanted to. Uh, even the planners, they they probably listened to my podcast before and know that I just don't stop talking. Needs a mic, but mic. <laughs>
3: no,
1: we can just throw it like a football back to Am whoever's I own? going to be asking the questions. Yes.
0: Okay. So I just wanted to concur and perhaps get you to elaborate. I think in terms of uh, getting the message through. I mean. Uh, criticism or not most people sort of emotionally led and I think there's an emphasis it should and it's being brought up by yourselves Ignacy brought it up with uh, Ben Shapiro as well remember they they've recently produced their first feature film Mm -hmm. and the emphasis I like to get you to elaborate on is the emphasis on the arts the arts more broadly and have a better representation there. I mean, the businessman is, is, is always evil in, in things. I mean, that's film, but I'm not restricted to film. I mean, music as well. So it's just really concurring with what you said and asking to elaborate on the value of the emphasis that's missing that could be enhanced within the arts.
1: Yeah, I think that you hit on a, a actually a fantastic point, is when we talk about... Uh, the spread of ideas, right? Especially in the community. Now we have an international arts community. YouTube will automatically put subtitles on your video in pretty much whatever language you want. So if we create content, that's going to be moving and inspirational, you know, like I said, (laughs) the Bitcoin giving tree or even something better, you know, you can put that out there and because it is artistic, because it is something engaging, that's not directly attacking someone's uh, thought processes. It can be shared. It can spread. It can be, it can grow to an international level and reach an international audience. And because it's considered art, because it's engaging, it is less threatening. It's almost like a way of coming in the back door uh, to <clears throat> someone's mind and their thinking processes. Anybody else want to I
2: don't know. This is, it's, well, I don't know if, so the question is what we should do?
1: I was just saying, just to elaborate on the, the use of the arts, how, how we, we've underutilized the arts.
2: Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, maybe sometimes it's better not to plan what to do <clears throat> it's better to plan how are you going to do it? Mm. Maybe I would like to appeal also on, I don't know if you're aware in Argentina, I think the libertarian movement is growing in there. Um, Sometimes you just need a change of your mindset and the attitude. This guy called Javier Millet, I think he's doing a great job. And maybe one thing that he, the he's defined is that he has balls, mm, right? <clears throat> You know, I'm a Spanish. I have to talk about... <laughs> he has balls. He has courage. So I don't know if I'm actually answering his question, but um, whatever you do, be courageous.
1: Yeah. And well, then... you answered all of our question about balls, which is <laughs> very important. Um, I think we'll, one more question we have time for?
0: No? Okay. I wanted to ask... Um, COVID measures have been very unpopular And I think what I've been seeing Is that a lot of people who were very critical Of the lockdowns are not necessarily Libertarians, many of them very Non-political, who hate politics Mm -hmm. And I'm asking all of you Do you think this could be a Potential opportunity to use These people to attract libertarian Ideas and show them, wait a minute, look at this This is a perfect example of how government Is able to ruin your life and that's why Letting the people decide for themselves Is actually better, Mm -hmm. what would you say?
3: Dimash, you want uh, 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 y- y- one year ago, I would agree with you that this is something we could actually, you know, plant a seed on this kind of anti lockdown hatred that we should work on it, especially that suddenly people are, you know, working online and, and we are online quite, you know, uh, boldly re- represented by after, you know, talking with people, I'm, 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 I'm lost. <laughs> and like they're, they're, we should not actually educate people. We should start with like diseducating people about many things. Actually, right. to brainwash, really,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, because they telling. have been like they have been brainwashed already. Now people are are demanding more. They suddenly wear this compliance as as like a like a like a you know jewelry. Uh, I do have a theory and on I'm, this. <sighs> if you're
1: curious Just, I'll, I'll wait okay, really, okay. Quick, really okay.
3: quick I'll okay. tell you why I think that this is uh, can I say one more thing to what you've said before on, on the one thing uh, on, about emotions I think emotions are not on, on our side we have to use it of course we have to use it but they are not on our side uh, uh, you know you, you watch Erin Brockovich by, by Steve Sodenberg you know it's such a poor woman and and, and government should help her things like that you know <laughs> show any kind of story about a poor woman I mean Erin Brockovich is, is kind of ballsy um <laughs> But, um, but you know, like half of television, TV productions, like poor people that somebody should help them, you know. So the system is against them. You should you know the system is broken. The system should give them money and things like that, you know. So it's really hard to, to go Ayn Rand, you know, on it. Like. Do your job and, you know, yeah. like your grandma said. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll do this just to wrap
1: up because I know I see uh, Federico standing and giving me the, the stink <laughs> eye from over there. Um, but I'll, I'll do a quick theory about, you know, COVID I think could have been effective in a way as well. But at this point in time, I feel that people, and I call it the bad people theory, is that people are so ingrained in what has happened with COVID, right? The people that support the lockdowns have now forced people out of jobs. They've forced people to not see their loved ones. People have died mm-hmm. in hospitals. They have not been able to bury their children. They've seen their neighbors uh, become, you know, lose their houses, become depressed. They've seen alcoholism rise. They've seen child abuse. These people have to be justified in this lockdown, or else they are empirically bad people. And they cannot allow that to happen. They can't be bad people. So they have to double down on this. Otherwise, they know when they look in the mirror, I'm a murderer. I'm a a criminal. I've destroyed people's lives. That's why this is so vital for them that COVID be real, that we have to do these things, that we follow the science, because if they're wrong, they are evil.
3: But you know the Fauci documentary has like zero percent popularity oh, I, 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 on. the Thank God <laughs> IMDb. So there is a crowd of well, like the still you know reasonable folks. Yeah, that's true.
1: Well, they're definitely out there. <laughs> I'll um, be there. Speaking of reasonable folks, I'd like to thank my two reasonable guests here, Ignacy Bolto and uh, Tomasz Aje- Agenski. Agenski. Sorry, so that's, I'm an American. We don't have to pronounce anything. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for coming. Appreciate it. Uh, Brian McWilliams, Lions of Liberty podcast. Please like, subscribe, and of course, thank you to. Federico and, uh, are the organizers of the conference. Who needs to prepare? Who needs to prepare indeed, right everybody? So there you go. Hope you enjoyed that. I thought it was an awesome time, awesome conversation. And I really enjoyed my time with both of those guys, uh, and in general, so that's going to wrap it up. I would love it. If you guys can share the show, tell a friend and also if you're a new listener we've uh, you know it's, it's funny uh, in the podcasting world you inexplicably will just take hits you'll lose listeners you'll lose a, t- a couple hundred listeners and you go what the hell and then next month they're all back plus more so if you're a new listener thank you for joining us and taking interest in what we're doing here at Lines of Liberty and uh make sure to go back listen to the older episodes guys go back listen to the last 10 episodes I guarantee you're going to find that content fascinating. Even my show, you know, which is Current Events Stuff, I do a lot of talking about branding, about messaging, about ways in which we have to look at the world through a very specific lens and through different lenses to understand it and to be able to communicate about it. So it's not just a show about current events. It is a show that encapsulates a whole lot more. So go back, listen to all of those episodes and uh, see what you can glean, what you can learn, what you can share with others and share the show. Tell everybody you know to listen in. Share it on podcast. share it on Twitter, share it on your Facebook wall, whatever else you do. Uh, I don't know, make TikToks about it for the youth. And one last thing, check out my buddy Matt McKinley over at Burn in Daylight. Burn in with a, an apostrophe on the end. He is a Liberty Cowboy out there getting those cattle from one place to another, riding on a horse, slanging some Liberty Wisdom. So check him out. It's a good time and I think you're going to enjoy it greatly. Otherwise, guys, that's it for me, Brian McWilliams, From the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.